Guys, this conversation has been waiting to happen for 15 years. Literally today, for the first time in 15 years, I get a chance to sit down and talk to my friends, Ricky and Lindsay Lewis, about a moment where their happy little bubble of life shattered and their dream life became a nightmare. And more importantly, you're going to get a chance to hear from them how they handled it and how they were able to bounce back from it. This couple is unbeatable. And you're going to be amazed at their story on this episode. Before we get into the conversation with Ricky and Lindsay, I still want to thank the folks at the Solomon Foundation for sponsoring this and some of the previous episodes. These guys and gals at the Solomon Foundation are committed to helping the local church grow. And when you partner with the Solomon Foundation, you're going to get an excellent return while you're making an eternal impact. So if you're interested, go check them out at thesolomonfoundation.org. Now here's my conversation, 15 years in the making with my friends, Ricky and Lindsay Lewis. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. Hey, Ricky and Lindsay, it is great to see your faces. It's been a long time since we had a chance to sit down and talk. Yes, very long time. It's good to see you too, Jeff. Yes. Yeah, we go back a long ways together, um, my family and your family. I was thinking about it before we sat down uh, for this interview. I think we've known each other for about 15 years now, if my timing is right. Wow. Well, it might be, we might be pushing maybe uh, almost 18, it seems like. Wow. Yeah, because okay. we so have thank you for been... making me feel even older now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's it 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 might even be twenty. I mean yeah. all all of our kids wow. were all of our kids were um little. Yeah. But we had all of them. Yeah. So yeah. That's right. They okay. were they were all young and now now mine are all grown and out of the house and yours are right on their heels. So you're right, it's been a it's been a minute, yes. you guys. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, for the audience, I have been trying to get this story told for about 15 years. And Ricky and Lindsay, I've said this to you guys already in private before in the past, and I'm going to say it to the audience. There are, uh, you are two people that I have the absolute greatest respect for because of the hardships that you and you went through. And I, I had a front row seat to it when we first met each other and those hardships have uh, kind of stayed with you guys and haunted you. And, and what I want people to hear from this episode today is how you guys have learned to move on and to bounce back from something nobody should ever have to go through in their life. That's what we're going to talk about today. Okay. Let's go back to when we first met. Um, you two were both kind of working in a church and teaching at a school. And would you, Ricky, why don't you just go ahead and tell everybody what you were doing when uh, we first, when our families first met? Uh, when we first met, I think I was in the school church um, teaching, uh-huh. uh, coaching, and then also the church um, 
after we had been there a while, wanted us to work on like a bivocational staff member and work with children. Um, Lindsay never taught there at the school. Um, and I think at, actually she was homeschooling. Or not home, Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, well, she was staying home yeah, with, working with, part-time. with little kids. Yeah. Uh, and our youngest, our oldest kid yeah. was probably in kindergarten. Yeah. And so, you know, and I was uh, working at the school, um, doing lots of sports stuff. And then they asked me to be a part of children's ministry. And from what I remember, um, the children's ministry was not doing greatest when it comes to numbers anyway. Yeah. And right. I it guess with Lindsay and I's influence and stuff, we were able to go in there and get some energy going. And uh, it actually, that part of it was very enjoyable and memorable. And... I loved it. Mm-hmm. I loved doing it. Yeah. Yeah. I loved watching you guys because you did a great job. My children were impacted by you. Um, uh, Ricky, when you were teaching, what subjects were you teaching? And when you were coaching, what sports were you coaching? I was working at the school. Um, and in that process of coaching, teaching, weight training, um, the church church member came to me at school and wanted to know if my wife and I were interested in helping the uh, church by being bivocational with children's ministry. And we talked about it, prayed about it, and felt like it would be great because Lindsay was staying at home. I think we had, um, we were compiling, we know we had three kids at the time, maybe even four. Four were on the way, yeah. yeah. And they were six and three, or they were all under six, is all I remember. Yeah. You know, and so they uh, <laughs> asked us to be a part of it, and we said yes. And it act, it was a blessing because with her working kind of part time, me being at a private Christian school, you know, again, I wasn't there for the money to begin with. Uh, but it is nice to have money. Right. Nobody have goes to eat. teach at a Christian school, a yeah. private school for the money. <laughs> and so yeah. you don't make lots of money. So it was, and it was a nice piece of, I guess, change. You had to be able to, it was like I was saying, it's yeah. more, it was more than just grocery money. It was good money that really allowed her to be a stay home mom slash go help her dad at his business when she wanted to. And then on Sunday, a time that we were already going to be at church. They were going to pay us to have fun, uh, to have fun with kids and teach. And um, <laughs> yeah. it was it was at, I mean, in in the terms of what the kids would say, it, it was a sweet gig. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was yeah, it was, was, was not nice. hard to say no to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and anybody who's watching or listening to this episode who's gone to private school knows private schools are small. They have a shoestring budget. And that usually means that faculty does five or six or 10 or 12 things. Maybe <laughs> yeah. they're good at one or two of those. And then the rest of them is extra duties as required. Exactly. But in private schools, there's a lot of extra duties as yeah. required, which is where you guys found yourself, right? Yes. And I mean, Jeff, that's something that I'd always 
enjoyed and actually one of the reasons why I wanted to be in a private school and a church school because I like sports. I like teaching. Um, I like singing. Um, I like being a part of ministry. And when I was, when I wanted to be, the reason I wanted to be at one of those places like that was because I was, I knew that they, you know, could use help and I enjoyed doing it because we also sang with the adult choir when we could. I think Lindsay may have done praise team. We would do solos and duets and different things in the church. And I mean, we just, that's what we wanted. That's what we, that's what we were and we enjoyed doing it. Well, and I will say that, you know, from the time I met Ricky and, and we dated that he felt the call for his life was to teach and coach people through life. And that, you know, and with my love for teaching and working with kids and he was wonderful with kids and had always been told that, you know, it, it just seemed like this was exactly where we were supposed to be at the right time, at the right moment. We had small children ourselves and, you know, yeah. we wanted them to be part of a good, strong um, program and had, you know, we loved where we were and we felt like that was, this was it. This was what God wanted for us to do. Yeah. And he opened the store. And so we prayed about it and walked through it. And, um, you know, we're really enjoying that, that time in our lives. And this is the part of your story where the listeners are all sitting there saying, it sounds like this is a dream come true. I don't understand, Jeff, because your episodes are usually people that live through nightmares. And in your case, Ricky and Lindsay, you lived through a nightmare and I watched you two live through a nightmare. You really did have kind of the dream of, you know, uh, the dream job and the dream, you know, environment until everything was ripped away from you. And I want the listeners to hear this before we even get into the details of your story at no fault of your own. I have been trying to get somebody to tell this story so that you, so that the world would know what happens next is absolutely not your fault and it turns your life upside down. So either one of you, Lindsay or Ricky, why don't you tell people what happens next that really throws your world into to chaos? Um, well, it was um, in like January of the school year and I'm going to share all this information, Jeff, and then you guys can do it like you want. But bottom line was sure. when I got there, it even though it was a dream scenario for us as a family and me as a person of, hey, this is what I wanted, it became very obvious to me quickly that the headmaster of the school and my direct supervisor wanted absolutely nothing to do with me or my uh, growth or anything to the point that they missed interviews on purpose. Uh, in the interview, I actually said to one of them, are you interviewing me or interrogating me? But again, dream job, dream scenario. Yeah. We prayed yeah. about it. They, again, the school called me. I didn't call the school for a job. The school called me because someone at the school knew me. And we moved here for that reason. We were living in all other state. And quickly it became obvious to me that there were two people in the administration 
that wanted zero to do with me. And uh, to the point that in the third year of teaching, the next thing I know, I was assigned an all-girls weightlifting class. And I was told that I would have an adult female, kind of like a tutor or a parapro, whatever you might want to call it, to yeah. be in there because right. it's one male with 20 females. And, you know, that was just an odd scenario. And so I, again, yeah. trusted. I'm going to break it. Ricky, I'm going to break in for just a second and make sure that the listener hears you're you're giving it your all. You're doing a great job, but your boss and your boss's boss, if they don't know school language, your boss and your boss's boss are not making life easy for you. In fact, from the very start have made it very challenging for you. Yes. And now you're in an environment where you're in a room with a bunch of preteen girls and there's no supervision um there's no protection for me this story go ahead yes. continue and yeah, uh, that's right or for those girls but no protection yeah. at all on either side of the equation and so um after a class um from what i was told again i uh what the version i was told was another girl asked a girl who was lifting weights and she was like demonstrating something for the class. And I was over there kind of teaching as you know, they were lifting weights and show them how to be safe. She asked that girl, did coach Lewis touch your breast during that? And the girl mm -hmm. apparently said I did. Even though all 20 girls were staring at one girl who was demonstrating the exercise yeah. and I'm sitting there saying, this is how you do it, you know, proper procedure with hands. And this is what you're wanting to do. She said that I touched her breast. And so the principal called me in and said, this is what happened. And from there, um, really nothing was said. There was no female put in the room. They, the administrator made it sound like, you know, they there was some things being said, but I was never asked to write anything down. I never had a conversation with that parent, that person, that parent, anything, you know. But it was obvious to me that these two people took that information and made what they wanted with it. Um, I continued to teach the class. I even was having in, because uh, I was coaching girls basketball after the basketball season. We're yeah. talking March, April. I'm having voluntary um, workouts for girls who want to play in the summer and next school year. You didn't have to come. And there's 20, 25 girls showing up. Me in there after school, you know, running through drills and stuff. Everything seems to be going smooth. I'm not called into the office anymore. I'm not told anything. Um, then there was an occasion where uh, a girl who was crying or something, she was having a rough day, and I walked by and gave her a high five. Uh -huh. You know, and the one of the administrators who uh, was not for me addressed me and said that I was 
even though I gave her a high five in the lobby of the middle of the school in front of everybody, he said that, you know, I lingered too long. I'm trying to talk about, I'm giving her a high five in front of everybody. And then yeah. come two weeks before school's out, I get called into the headmaster's office. He doesn't say a word, but he slides this letter over to me. And basically the letter says that because of my reputation amongst the people, the school and the girls, uh, because of incidents that have happened, I am not going to be back at the school the next year. And I turned and slid the letter back. And I said, why can't the two of us just be men? And you look at me and say, I just don't get along with you. And he just sat there. Uh, and that was two weeks before school was over, which in a typical school setting, you know, you usually you usually find that information out that you're not going to be asked back. Yeah. In February, March. Right. So that you can begin yeah, to months search. and months earlier. But they had nothing. Um, and we, we did a, I did call to ask to meet with the pastor and, you know, he talked with me and, um, I asked him, I said, am I going to be relieved of my church duties now? He said, no, you can stay on as the children's pastor. Um, and in that time, um, there was a few times where I, obviously in a small school that I came across those people and I can tell yeah. you. For the last 15, 20 years, I can still see the joy in their faces when I had to bypass them in settings that it seemed to me that they were extremely happy that they had found a way to get rid of me. Um, and then from there, we continued to do the church ministry. And we would show up on Sundays in the summer and the whole next year. And the stuff that we used from church, uh, we had we were moved to a different closet. We our, the keys were changed. Mm -hmm. The equipment we, we were supposed to use was misplaced. So here we are supposed to be doing a ministry for the church on Sunday. And we would get there and our equipment's not available. The stuff that we're supposed to be signing yeah. kids in and out are misplaced. And so after a year of us doing that, we went back to the pastor who, again, was someone that I had known. He actually married Lindsay and I, 20, and now it's 26 years ago. And I told him, I said, we're done. Uh, two weeks will be, in two weeks will be our last time. And uh, we'll yeah. be moving on. And we actually got up that last Sunday and performed a duet. I played the guitar. Lindsay sang yeah. a song. And the pastor said some kind remarks about um, the ministry that we had had at the church, uh, uh, the goodness of our family, and uh, the duty and that we had done while in the area. And that meant a world, a world to me because I had to walk around there for a year with um, no chance to really stand up and say what I thought was true. Um, and so that was, that was really, that was, that was a nightmare. Yeah. It was, and I, and I will say this too, Jeff, that when all of that happened in that January, 
Ricky did not even really involve me in that. Um, I don't think he wanted me to worry because one of his concerns about being asked to do the class in the first place was, you know, I don't want to be uh -huh. in a room, room by myself with girls because of things that, you know, could be right. seen. Absolutely. Especially doing something yeah. with it. So I don't, he did not even tell me all of the struggle he went through. He went through that struggle, which is one of, one of the hardest things for me to look back on things. Um, is that from January to May, when I found out, I, he told me that uh, in that after that meeting, the two weeks before school was out, that he was not being asked to come back. And that's when everything for me yeah. was, just, you know, that that was when the nightmare began. Actually, he had already been going through it and mm -hmm. had been struggling with it by himself for all of those months. The, the, during the summer, we in May, all that happened. I asked the uh, pastor if we could have a meeting. And we had a meeting with me and Lindsay, him, and those two administrators. And they, again, gave their their case. One of them actually sat there and said, or there were some other incidents where girls said that he pulled uh, them onto their, onto their lap. And we were like, what? This is... Uh -huh. you know, and... And they tried to say, well, we didn't. We don't want to mess their marriage up. We didn't want Lindsay to find out that. And we're kind of going, what are you talking about? And then Lindsay looked at him and said, if he did this in January, you left him in there for four months. Basically, you're incompetent as a leader because if what he did is true, which you are saying it's true because you're not, you didn't ask him back to school. You left him in there with girls for three, four months with no supervision. And that's when the pastor turned and looked at both of them and said, do you understand the hurt, the confusion, you know, that you have thrown onto this family? And the two of them sat there speechless, did not say a word, never apologized, didn't do anything. They just sat there. Most awkward moment probably of my life. Yeah, because they, they had about three or four other accusations that had come out, uh -huh. you know, um, and it just, and, you know, they didn't want to talk about it with me in the room. And they kept saying that, well, I don't feel comfortable saying this in front of Lindsay. And my only thought was, well, why not? If it's true, you know, wouldn't you want me to know? And yeah. it was just, it was it was a very confusing, right. hard hard time yeah. for us. And the the best during that time, I was meeting with a who I, I didn't realize that time, but he was a mentor of mine, a pastor of a different church. Um, and I was asking uh -huh. him, "What what do I need to do?" And he looked at me and said, "I know this is going to be hard, but if if the pastor is willing to let you stay on as the children's pastor." and he's been in this town for 30 years and has a great reputation, then you stay at that church for a year. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you let that whole city, that whole church, all those people at that school know that there is a man who has pastored a church for 30 years. He believes in you. If he thought you did this, he would not let you stay working with children. 
And that's really one of the biggest reasons we stayed. Let me catch the audience up to speed now on when I come into this equation. I'll never forget uh, meeting just the two of you and me um, in my office there by the school. Um, and you guys came in and sat down and just kind of started sharing your heart with me. And I was so moved by the pain that I could see in your eyes and the confusion, as you guys have both described it, and the frustration. And I, I also felt like I feel totally helpless here um, as I watched you guys go through this and there was nothing that I could do to step in. But for 15, 17, 20 years, I've been watching the way that you two as a couple have handled this challenge. And it has been absolutely inspiring to me. So Ricky and Lindsay, I told you guys this a, long, a while back over dinner. One of my only assignments in the military when I was stationed in a unit that had both males and females, the guy that I was replacing was getting ready to retire from the army. And he gave me one piece of advice before he left. He said, Jeff, whatever you do, don't ever get yourself in a situation. I'll never forget the way you worded it. Don't ever get in a situation where somebody can accuse you of doing something sexual. It doesn't matter if you do it or not. This is his exact words. It doesn't matter if you do it or not. If you get accused, your career in the military is over. And I looked at him and I said, well, that's just absolutely wrong. And he said, it's wrong, but it's the world that we live in. And I just want to say, there are people listening right now. I know they are because I have heard some of their stories. There are women listening who have been molested and they absolutely did nothing to deserve it. And we live in a world where the woman who makes an accusation is going to get the benefit of the doubt. And in Jeff's opinion, she should get the benefit of the doubt. You were placed in a situation where no guy should ever be in a room like that without somebody else that can both protect you and protect the girls. But I'm gonna tell the rest of the story to the audience that um, I ne they need to know what I heard firsthand right after you left. After you left that environment, after you went to the pastor and said, we need to leave, it is best for everybody if we move on now. The two girls that made an accusation publicly said, he never touched us at all. We just didn't like him and we wanted to get him fired so we made an we made a statement about him and that statement ended up leading to the reason why your contract wasn't renewed and i wanted to vomit when i heard that these two girls literally said he never touched us at all we just didn't like him and we wanted to get him fired and we knew this would get him fired now i need the audience to hear you live in a in a town it's a medium-sized city, but when something like this is mentioned, even if it's hush-hush and, you know, whispered, it spreads like wildfire. And I need people to hear the story of how this pure evil that happened to you haunted you, still haunts to you, and what it did to your, you know, what it did to your friendships, what it did to your job, what it did to your standing in our community when you did absolutely nothing wrong and somebody made a, a, a statement and we live in a world where if they make a statement, you will automatically be guilty if you're not given a chance to prove your innocence. 
So Ricky, Lindsay, either one of you, would you talk us through, take us through what your how your life changes because of this? I'm calling it pure evil that happened to you. For a good at least three, maybe even five, five years. Yeah. Going out in public, I felt like my head was on a swivel because I'm looking to see if I'm going to run into somebody. Very uncomfortable. I need you, hold on. I need you guys to say that one more time because somebody's driving in traffic and they missed that. I want them to know just how severe this was. Say that statement again. For three to five years, whenever I went grocery shopping, to the movies, uh, just out to eat, all I did basically was look and wonder, who am I going to see? And what are they going to say? Are they going to say anything? Are they going to give me that look? There's that guy. And even now, I mean, I have been, I'm still teaching in the general area. Um, but whenever someone says, I mean, I, I teach kids now in a public school in the in a county next to where this is. And somebody will say, I know you because you taught my mom. And I automatically go, oh, my goodness, in my mind. You're, you're cringe, right? Who, what are we yeah. getting ready, what are they getting ready to say? Um, and it's just, I mean, I, I run into people all the time, and Lindsay is real good with faces, and she'll say, well, that's so-and-so's parents. How, and I'm like, how do we know them? Well, they know us from, and they mentioned that church. And then I just go, okay, well, what did, what are they saying now as they walk mm -hmm. away? You know, and yeah. it has it made yeah. it made going out in public extremely. I was very I don't know if I don't know if the right word is paranoid, fear. I was nervous. I was very much. Um, I guess mentally I was like I was flexing my mental muscles to go. Who is coming? What do I need to do? Where can I get away? You know, and then the other part was when I met people. And. They maybe they didn't bring it up, but I knew that they knew that I was no longer there. Yeah, sure. And I wanted so badly to tell my side and to tell how bad that place was to me. But I just felt like that was the wrong thing to do. Um, and even, you know, you've been around maybe other people been around um small schools like that a lot of times people will leave and they'll be mad at the school and we'll run into people like that and they want to bad mouth the place and Lindsay and i have made a commitment that we were not going to say well let me tell you what they did to our family yeah we've right. just not we've, we've never you. done it because that's right two wrongs don't make a right yep you know, um, and if I could just kind of interject here, um, it's been how long? 15, 15 years. And we 15, still 16, 17 it, years. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it has not gone away. He's still for some reason, though, it felt like those first few years, God kind of protected him. He never ran into anyone. Um, it was a little bit later on, you know, and, and just the last few years, we've we've seen people that you know, I grew up with and that I used to be comfortable with. And, 
you know, even now it's a bristle effect. Like you just, yeah. you automatically go because you are wondering and you know, what are they thinking? And, you know, Jeff, we did not know that statement about the two girls and what they said until when, yeah, when you, you told, told us, us, that's the first time I ever heard that. And first so time the I, whole yeah. time, all of these yeah. years, Ricky has thought that people have thought he was, he may, he may be guilty of what they said. And Jeff, I'll be honest with you. Be, when you told me that a couple of weeks ago, even though it was hard to hear that they lied about it, I told Lindsay, I said, Lindsay, it was really strange because during these last 15 years, I actually kind of thought to myself, did I really do something? I said, because why would yeah. I, why would I have gone through all this struggle and, and torment if I didn't do something wrong? So I just kind of questioned my own self. I mean, I was like, I didn't do anything, but the truth is they got me removed and they got away with it. And I'm still here. I mean, I was like, well, maybe it is true. I, I don't know. It was, it was really crazy. The, the battle in my mind of yeah. it's not true, but what's happening to me is true. Yeah. You know, and I will talk about that happy little world that we were living in for, you know, all the all the years that I got to stay home and it completely was turned upside down yeah. because Ricky yeah, was without was, a job. Your dreams were shattered. And yes, and it became a nightmare overnight. Yeah, well, yeah, because I had to I had to go back to work full time because I did have a teaching certificate and God opened a door right away for me, you know, um, for Ricky, it was a little bit harder because yeah. he had been at a Christian school and did not have to be state certified for that at that point. And so things mm -hmm. were going to take him a little longer to get into what he was so good at, you know. And so, but for me, I had to leave my babies and had to leave, you know, this happy little world that I lived in and, you know, I mean, we we were living that dream that Ricky had always dreamed about for our family, and it just completely got changed. Mm -hmm. And and I will, you know, uh, it's been a long fifteen years. But Jeff, to tell you, I was going to tell you this to make me think of it. One of the when I had to move on, and I had to go back and find, I took a job in a county as like an uncertified parapro making piddly money, uh -huh. uh, trying to get certified so that I could get back into school. Well, when I did that, I ended up working with a fella who became one of my, is one of my best friends to this day. Mm -hmm. Um, super guy, wonderful. Good he's, he's been in, they've been in public school They they have a, they have a child the same age as one of ours. So we vacationed and done stuff, birthday parties, all right? So then, and they still have a child who's in school. Do you know where that child is in school today? <laughs> Calvary. At the Oops, same school. Yeah, the same school that you left. The same school I left. Sorry. And they know nothing about how we feel yeah. and what that place did to us. Yeah. And guess what? They love that school. Their child is having a great time at that well, school. And, but we've never said anything to I it. hope the listeners.
I hope the audience is hearing right now, this wasn't an incident. For you guys, this has never, ever gone away. And I'm no. not talking three to five years of looking over your shoulders. Your life has never been, and let's just be honest, probably never will be the same again. And you did nothing wrong and you don't deserve it. Yeah. I have a second friend who has gone through something similar. It went all the way to court. When the court case was dismissed because of lack of evidence, after the court case was dismissed, the woman who brought charges against him said, he never really did it. I just didn't like him. He was my boss and I wanted him to get fired. And I have asked him for eight years to tell his story. And he said, I can't do it. It hurts so bad. And this is a brave, a very bold leader. And he said, I have, it hurts so bad that I don't know if I'll ever be able to tell this story in public because of what it's done to my life. And he's made the same statement. My life will never, ever be the same again. And I did nothing wrong. But that when that accusation was made, I can never, ever recover from it. In fact, I'm paranoid that there will be some web page out there that, you know, is 20 years or 10 years old that somebody will pull up and they'll see my name associated with a web page that, you know, uh, not only was it dismissed, but the, the you know, the plaintiff uh, admitted after the case was thrown out that it wasn't, uh, you know, that the, the charges were all false. Um, and I, my heart has hurt so bad for you two. And for this friend of mine, watching the suffering that you've gone through. But the reason you're on this podcast, we call this podcast unbeatable, is because you have just been dealt one of the worst blows. Your reputation and your um, respect in the community has been pulled away from you and you did nothing to deserve it. And then you've got to figure out how to pick up your life and bounce back from it. And there's a couple of burning questions that I think we've got to get to, Ricky and Lindsay. One of them is, how do you go on teaching after having been burned that bad? And how do you not let it affect you and the students that you teach in the future? So either one of you two. Well, I do want to share this, Jeff, that it never crossed my mind that Ricky had done what he did. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm glad to hear you say that Lindsay. Yes. And you know, the verse in John that talks about, uh, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You know, yeah. mm -hmm. um, thankfully I was raised in church and, and had heard about God's promises on my life. Um, because if I had not, I don't know that I would still be believing the things I think because it was so ingrained in me, thankfully, I just kept holding on that something is something good is going to come from this. This is going to turn out right. And if I'm honest, it doesn't even 15 years later, sometimes I wonder when is that day going to come that it feels mm. like everything is right where it's supposed to be again, like it did, you know, before, um, I do know that there's a purpose for this, but it's very hard to see it some days. However, saying, you know, coming through what we've been through, you know, Ricky has earned his master's degree and his specialist degree. He has a wide range All and a right. variety 
idea of wonderful things that he has gained through this hardship um, that he may not have pursued had we stayed in our happy little bubble is what I call it now, because that's what it felt like at the time. Um, and, and I will just say that I feel like the lives that he is able to reach now um, are just so much, there's so many more that he has just um, been able to touch, um, you know, just from the kids that he's worked with, he's worked in, you know, low economic schools, um, and he's been around those children and, and we see those kids sometimes at the grocery store and they will come and talk to him. Hey coach, how are you? Here's what's going on in my life. And you know, those little, we don't get to see those all the time, but those little lights will shine every now and then for us to see. And it's like that life would not have been touched had you not been put through the fire, you know? And, um, but but it's, it's, it's hard. It's still hard. Um, well, I will say Luke 24 talks about a story where the guy says, I believe, but please help my unbelief. And there's numerous passages of scripture where it says faith is when you have to move forward without seeing the, mm -hmm. the light and not seeing the end. It's not really faith if you know Mm -hmm. What the outcome is, faith is when you are moving and you don't see the outcome. And from trying to get jobs to trying to be certified, to try to get in programs, um, to trying to, you know, just be asked to do different things. Um, that whole set, that whole thing that I went through, um, there were, I want to say Adrian Rogers calls it the dark night of the soul. Uh, and I know I was in that place for a long time where I did not know where my steps were taking me. All I knew is thy word is a lamp unto thy feet. And I could just take uh -huh. one day, I could just take one step at a time. Um, and I will say that why, how do I keep teaching and, and being a part of stuff like that? Well, like Lindsay told you, I just remember a long time ago, someone asking me, what I was going to do with my life or why God made me. And my answer was I wanted to teach people about Jesus and coach them through life, which is why I wanted to be in a Christian school. And that was closed off. But like she has said, I have been in three uh, private school, three public systems since then, and one other Christian school. But in the public school, you get to you get to truly just be the light because you really can't be the voice, but you can try to um, show how much you uh, have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And kids notice that, and people notice that. And I realized, I told Lindsay, I said, one thing, one reason why public schools are struggling is because the people who know the truth they go they're not there there is no salt and light in the public right. school and so yeah. Yeah. you know it has it's been an eye-opening thing for us to know yeah we kind of wanted that bubble for our family and to be honest <laughs> there's part of me that still wants it and maybe i want it because it's yeah. safe and i i feel like i can see 
the end of the path. But in the public school system, I can't see it because I don't know. And there's a lots of things that you have to battle and people you need to work with. Uh, but it take. I feel like one thing I've learned is that I wish I could say I've learned faith, but I know I've been challenged with just do today. And then when that day's done, just do the next day. And when that day's done, do the next day. Um, because that's how I survived during that whole time. And let me just say to I, you know, I, I'm not the man, I'm not the head of our house. And so for him to realize that, um, what I thought was going to be something that, you know, God had me in for my, for my career and that being taken away. And now I have four children and a wife that I've got to make sure that I'm taking care of those. I'm sure that was an added pressure that he, um, that I didn't understand, you know? Um, and so he was going to do whatever it took to keep us floating and to keep us, you know, with the things that we needed. And there were lots of just different blessings that were given to us and, and people that, um, like the person that I, the principal that I was working with came to me one day and said, Hey, I think Ricky needs to look into this program, you know, and it was so, it was the kind of like a fast track, the certification, you know, and how, how many people applied for it? There was about 500 people who applied and I think like 107 got in and then only 11 of us made it through the and actual then, program and about four of us got jobs in uh, the public school. That's worse than ranger school in the army. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, even when he was getting towards the end of that certification, um, you know, he had a man stand up in front of him who was at the county that he was going to be entering and said, look, we have no jobs yeah. available. Yeah. You and, know, and, and there was a, there was an opportunity that opened up. So we did see provision the whole time. And it just like, like Ricky said, it was almost like it was, we had to take the step a little bit at a time and, and no, it was not easy. And I still feel like those dark nights of the soul come up and it can be the strangest thing that kind of brings it on. All it takes is somebody we meet in the grocery store or at a restaurant and they say, do you remember me? And now I immediately go, I don't know where it brings all those terrible memories up. Right. Yeah. Yeah, And they say, if they say I went to such and such, I'm like, Oh goodness. Now what do I get right here? Yeah. But luckily for me, there's been no real, those fear that, that fear has never actually, no one's ever said, you know, I remember. And they, they always have a good memory to share with us. Uh, But it is, it's very paranoid. I'm very paranoid sometimes when I meet people. Hmm. So, You guys have answered a couple of the questions that I really wanted the audience to hear. How do you handle 15 years of pain and hurt and this uh, haunting nightmare for something that you didn't do wrong? Well, you both have already said it. You get up and every day you just take today one step at a time. And how do you face yourself and how do you face the future when you didn't deserve this? Well, you do it with faith. But I do think there's people listening right now and they have this, uh, you know, selfish side of them that says, oh, no, if what happened to Ricky or what happened to Lindsay happened to me, I'm going to get back and I'm going to hurt those people that hurt me. 
So I have two questions that we have to answer before we wrap this broadcast up. And the first question is, why didn't you try to get even? Why didn't you try to go back and hurt the people that hurt you? Because that's what most people would want to do. That's tough because I can't honestly say that I haven't wanted to. <laughs> um, of course, I was going to say, I think it would have crossed my mind a time or two. Yes. Yeah. And I mean, they, and it's, it's so strange, Jeff. There are days where, like I said, it just kind of, there's a moment where it just hits you and we can be so angry. I know that I can get angry and it's different times for both of us. Um, it's very rarely when we're, it's at the same time, you know, it's either him or me, but I just feel like we felt like it was not honoring to get payback. We, we, we would not have honored even ourselves to do that. And no, that is not easy, but, um, I just feel like that's, that's kind of Ricky has always, um, we've always discussed as a family, even when talking with other people about each other, that somebody who is in an authority authoritative position over you, even if you don't agree with them, if you don't, yeah. you know, you come not to trust them. It's just not honoring to talk badly about them or disrespect them in any way. And I feel like him setting that precedent for us early in our marriage, um, helped us to stand on that. I mean, it's almost one of those things where if you don't prepare for it, when it hits you, you're not going to know how to react to it. And I feel like it was just kind of something, you know, we, he had approached me early on in our marriage and said, you know, I'm going to commit to you that I'm not going to talk badly about you to anyone. And he said, and I would like for you to also do the same to me when even, you know, if you're with your friends, you know, as long as we're being respect, um, respectable towards one another, he said, I feel like that's the way we can honor one another. And I feel like that transferred to other areas of our life too. And, you know, um, no, our thoughts may not always be honoring about those people because we have been hurt. Sure. We've, been, we've been hurt by them, but I feel like we just really have tried to, um, even though we are very upset and very hurt by them, try to not be dishonoring even to them towards other people. Um, well, I don't know. How yeah, you... I don't. I don't know how spiritual my answer is. Um, but the bottom line is, I had a wife and four kids that I needed to feed and shelter, and I needed God to bless me. And I knew He wouldn't bless me if I was running around trying to do evil to other people and just get yeah, them back. That's right. Trying. I needed to feed them. Evil on top of evil. Yeah. And I just thought I. I can't in one breath be going, please help me find ways to take care of them. Yeah. And then in another breath, be talking about how bad people are. And maybe I just, part of me was so focused on taking care of them and saying, God, I need you. Mm -hmm. I need an income. I need money. I need to make sure that this happens. And my whole focus was, I just need, you know, bless me indeed, enlarge my territory. I need you. And it also says in there, you know, uh, keep me away from evil people, uh, and I uh, or don't let evil people come by me. And my whole keep me away from them. 
And I was like, keep them away from me. I need to focus solely on taking care of them. I don't even know if I had time or energy to, you know, try to get them back. Um, Cause I was just trying to make sure that four kids could eat and we didn't lose our house or, cause again, you know, she didn't have it for, we, all that happened in May and, you know, teachers get paid for 12, 12 months. So I had income for three months, uh-huh. but she got a job a week before school started um, to uh, be in the public school system. She gave up being at home. And then uh, about a week after school had started is when I got an opportunity to, again, go from being a teacher to like a, a parapro at a at a small school in a, in the the public school setting and then we were still at the church uh on for Sundays year. for that year so that year we were able to like financially I say we probably didn't even really yeah. take a hit and God just food kept yeah. coming in you know and everything happened and then that program started and the next thing you know within 2 years uh I was a certified teacher I was in uh, the public school system. And so your listeners know she taught for three years mm-hmm. and then she stayed home for four years and homeschooled all our kids. All right. And yeah. again, during that time, another church in the area caught, we were going, we kept going to church. We found a new church and we were going to a church and their one of their children's minister of all people, came and said, hey, I want some help. I'll pay you two to come to church on Sunday, <laughs> which we were already doing, and help me. And so lo and behold, Lindsay was able to give up her job as a school teacher so that she could stay with our kids, homeschool them. And I, was ha- I had a full-time job in the county. We're getting paid on Sundays. And our dream of her being more of the stay home mom was kind of back in play and it stayed that way for about four years um mm-hmm. and so and again just so you know we're children's ministers at another church and everything seemed to be going great and then somebody would walk in and we were like uh-oh they're from uh-huh. are they going to bring up they, that they recognize setting? me from that old sir yeah 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 and so for the listener, though, for the listener out there who's hearing you, um, all of us have this human nature that wants to retaliate and wants to lash out when we've been done wrong, even if we deserve it, but especially when you've been done wrong and you did nothing to deserve it. And I want to applaud you two for not heaping evil on top of evil or using two wrongs, uh, you know, because you've been hurt. But let's just get to the toughest part of this whole experience. I have had the chance to hear incredible stories over the years of doing this podcast. And a couple of stories stick out in my mind. Episode 40, I interviewed Casey Bethard, whose son was murdered. And he eventually found it in his heart to forgive the man who murdered his son, go befriend, befriend the man. And, and while he was in prison, you know, kind of start to to um, serve the guy who murdered his son. Episode 99, Lois Wagner, 
was brutally raped. She was, uh, she was stabbed many times and left for dead. She left the country. It was so hard for her to, uh, you know, to move on. And then when this man, he, the, the man that assaulted her came up for parole, she went back and forgave him publicly and uh, testified on his behalf. And I am convinced, Ricky and Lindsay, the hardest thing a human being will ever do if they've been hurt like you is forgive. Maybe not say out loud that I forgive you, but find it in the heart to forgive. So I want you to talk for just a few moments before we wrap up. How did you, how are you, if you're still working on it, learning to forgive a hurt that has continued for 15 years? Um, I think doing this today is helping me. Uh, it allows me to, to see it in a whole new, a whole new way. Um, I have went and talked, uh, with a counselor and kind of this one, she was the only person in 15 years that I told everything to, um, because we've just, ref- I say refuse, we've just, either we refuse or we were disciplined enough not to talk about it. So, um, and to be real honest. It hurts too bad, right? Yeah. yeah. The, the forgiveness part, um, like Lindsay said, I don't know if it's God's protection, but we have not been put in a situation where we've had to meet uh the two individuals that I am thinking of. Um, and I, so I'd like to think I could do something, but I will tell you in the last three months we were out to eat and a gentleman that I was close to while I was there, uh, considered him someone, an older, wiser, um, mentor, um, came up to me at the dinner table. And wanted to shake my hand. And inside of my brain, I was going, look, man, you hung me out to dry. You didn't defend me. You never came and talked to me during this. And you and I were close. And all I could do was muster up the strength to shake his hand. I didn't really say anything. Uh, I kind of wish I would. I want to learn how to be able to say, so how's life going? You know. Um, so I think I'm still in that process and talking to, to my, the counselor, she pointed out to me that, and it kind of helped me because she said over these last 15 years, when you've run into people that have kind of known it, she says, and they come talk to you. She, she said, can I tell you what I think they're doing when they come talk to you? They're coming to tell you that they believed in you, that there's nothing they could do. But she said, if they really thought you were guilty of something, they wouldn't come talk to you eight years later, 10 years later, 15 years later. So them coming to you and addressing you and approaching you, because, you know, it's what do you say when you can't do anything? Right. Yeah. Uh, And so them just coming to me and and when she was telling me that, I was like, so what you're telling me is that there's been support all this time. I haven't seen it as support. Um, and so maybe I need to 
embrace that part and that might help me with the pain that I have and allow me to see the situation as um, there is some silver lining uh, to it. So, but I'm not going to lie to you or to people who might listen to this to say that, uh, I mean, I don't know if I have hatred. Um, I just know that, like you said, when you get hurt, you have a natural reaction to, to bow up and yeah. want to make that hurt stop. Uh, but I will also say this, I have had, an, I have had multiple incidences since this where I have a very difficult time trusting different. I mean, I've told you, I've been at four, three or four different schools yeah. Yeah. and I have a hard time with administrators. I, I mean, when I say that I have a hard time trusting because I feel like these administrators set me up, sold me out, you know? And so, uh, I mean, that's a process for me to, uh, again, I guess it's the same thing every day. Just trying to get back up. I will say I listen to a lot of praise music during certain times. I've heard lots of sermons on how, how Pete, how in the, in the old Testament for sure, when they would go to battle, sometimes God would say, put the praise leaders in the front. Let's go ahead and worship this victory even before we see the victory. So I've, I've had moments of that. I listen to lots of podcasts. I love uh, listening to different guys preach. It's been very encouraging to me. Um, but uh, I hope I'm forgiving. Um, I hope I am. I'm trying. All right. That's a good, honest answer. Lindsay, you watched your happy little bubble get crushed and you watched your husband hurt for a long time. How did you go through the hard work of forgiveness or at, are, are going through the hard work of forgiveness? Um, I think I'm still going through it as well. Um, because like I said, those days will come and I just can be very angry at those people um, for what they did to our family. Um, and, and it almost, mm-hmm. you don't understand, <clears throat> don't understand how they could sleep at night knowing what they did was, you know, right. um, but again, I'm not going to be held accountable for that. That is going to be, they're going to be held accountable for their actions and I'm going to be held accountable for mine. So, um, it is a, it's a process. Um, and I think some days I feel like, okay, I think I, I have forgiven. And then there are days that I'll get angry again because of something that happens. And I, and I just feel like um, I just have to go through it again, you know, and just try to just, I don't know. I don't know what it would be like if we actually did see one of them. What, what would we do? How would we react? Right, um, yeah. That may not you have guys been have a- just said it, both of you. <laughs> no, you said it both of you, and you both of you, and you nailed it. Forgiveness is hard work, and it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight, and it's not like you can just say "poof, I forgive," and then all of the pain and all of the hard feelings are gone away. And I want to tell you both: um, you surprised me in this interview. It went far better than I thought it would go, and I have 
for 15 years, I have sat back and watched how you guys have conducted yourself in the midst of this nightmare. And I have had the greatest respect for you. But today, listening to you, it is no question in my mind, you two really are unbeatable because life has dealt you a really evil, a really devastating blow. And instead of being crushed by it, you have got up and held on to your faith and held on to each other and continue to, uh, you know, take one step forward. And wow. Um, thank you. Jeff, for being on can I, show can I add tonight. this? I think one of my biggest yeah. struggles through this is I've, I've probably battled more with, uh, trusting God. I mean, I feel yeah. like he let me down, you know, and keep trusting him. And, and I just, I mean, I, I heard something yesterday. I was out with the dog and I was, I think I was listening to some podcast and, uh, the pastor just said, when your dreams don't come true, you have to just tell yourself that even though it hurts, God's plans somehow are better. And I can look at, I was on that walk and I can say, God, is it okay if I don't like your plan? Even though yours is supposed to be better. Yeah, I'm laughing out loud because I, I know what that feels like. Yep. I, just don't, I just don't like it. I, I wanted mine. Yeah. You know, um, and so I think, because I mean, when when you when you're asking about forgiveness, I don't really, to be honest, I, I haven't really dwelled a whole lot on those people. I mean, obviously I do think of them, but one of my biggest things was, God, where are you? What? And that's where again, three months ago I heard another preacher talking about a passage that I know, Psalms 23, and I heard it all my life. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I am with you. And he pointed out, number one, he said, walk through the valley. So that means you're getting through it. He's going to walk you through it. And the other part is, he is with you. And I just want to go, I, it's, it's hard for me in the, I think I've heard you say this, in the America of happy endings, what if I don't get the happy ending? I'm not getting it, you know? Um, and I don't, is it, oh, my dad's been trying to teach me what what a lament prayer is, how to complain to God, admire God, remind God of his promises, and then exalt him and say, regardless, I'm still going to follow you, you know, and learn how to do that in my life. Um, so I don't know if I'm really thinking about my, hatred or dislike or I need to forgive a person because I just have always taken it somehow God's in this <sighs> somehow I mean, I'm trying to find it and it really sounds it really sounds like the times that he has spoken to you when you've been struggling he really is in the middle of this hurt with you both and again I want to tell you I have the greatest respect for you you two really are unbeatable so thank you for being on this episode with me Thank you for having us. Thank you, Jeff. Right there, you heard it. When life has dealt you an evil blow that you did nothing to deserve, when you're struggling for years, actually for 15 years, trying to get over something that you didn't do wrong, the only way to handle it 
is one step at a time. You move on one step at a time. You get stronger one step at a time. You even forgive one step at a time. Ricky and Lindsay, thank you for being so raw and so honest on this episode of Unbeatable. I want to thank all of the fans that have tuned into this episode. I hope it's encouraged you. And if you're listening to our podcast for the first time, why don't you go ahead and subscribe? You can subscribe on YouTube and watch the video or any of those prominent uh, podcast platforms out there. Go ahead and subscribe and follow along because we just bring you amazing guests of people that have gone through incredible difficulties and they found a way to bounce back. So you can find a way to bounce back from whatever it is that you're going through right now as well. If you haven't already done it, you can connect with us on social media too. You're going to find some amazing people like our fan of the week this week, Leander Yazzie. Thank you, Leander, for being so connected and so committed to our podcast and the ultimate level of connection, the ultimate level of commitment is when we start sending you content just to encourage you and just to motivate you throughout the week. We do that for the unbeatable army. The unbeatable army is totally free. And if you're interested and you want to sign up and become unbeatable too, why don't you go over to unbeatablearmy.com. Thanks again for listening to this episode. No matter what you're facing, no matter how bad it hurts, get up tomorrow and just take it one day at a time. See you next week. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable.